Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. that led to the downfall of Boris Johnson. I'm Jamie East and this is the Smarter Seven. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. As we've seen uh, at Westminster, uh, the herd instinct is powerful. When the herd moves, it moves. To you, the British public, I know that there will be many people who are relieved and uh, perhaps quite a few who will also be disappointed. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. The words of Prime Minister Boris Johnson as he resigns as leader of the Conservative Party and as Prime Minister. But how did it come to this? From B-Day to D-Day. No more cake in number 10 for Boris. Lies you turn snakes and flakes. Today we break down seven of the key moments that led to the bust-up of Boris. We're covering everything from international failures like Brexit and Afghanistan to more domestic issues that shattered his party and led to the total collapse of public trust in him as Prime Minister. This is The Smarter Seven. You're a nasty piece of work, aren't you? Seven. Let's get Brexit done and let's bring this country together. Thank you very much. Back in 2019, when Boris was elected as Prime Minister, he was voted in on the promise that he would get Brexit done. For over a year, there were threats of a no-deal exit and loads of negotiations that led to an agreement being signed in January 2020, with a transition period set to finish at the end of the same year. We're now well past this and have had some time to reflect on the impact. Now, the road haulage industry has reacted angrily uh, to a warning from the government that there could be queues of thousands of lorries in Kent if companies fail to prepare for customs changes at the end of the Brexit transition period. One estimate says 90,000 lorry drivers are needed. The UK's Road Haulage Association asked its members why. 58% said Brexit. The industry had for years relied heavily on drivers from the European Union. Brexit has meant that we, we have to work harder for less money. We have to employ extra staff for the um, admin. I was the first one uh, to put my hands up to say I'm, I'm sorry that I voted uh, to come out of Europe. I really wish that uh, we were still in it. You regret it? Oh, absolutely. Since Brexit, the right for EU workers to just turn up here is gone. There's now the Seasonal Agricultural Workers Scheme, a visa quota system that allows 30,000 labourers onto UK farms. Industry says they need double. From empty shelves to staff shortages, the effect of Boris's Brexit deal have been felt by us all. You might argue that some of this has been impacted by COVID, so it's worth comparing our economic recovery since COVID to a few others to get a clearer idea of how we're faring. The UK's post-COVID recovery has lagged behind that of other countries who had similar performances to ours before Brexit. The Centre of European Reform did a study showing that the UK's economy is 5.2% smaller than it would have been without Brexit and investment in the UK business is 13.7% lower. 
Brexit has cost the UK billions of pounds in lost trade, lost investment and lost tax revenues. Money the country could really do with at a time of rising national debt and falling living standards. Of course, the Prime Minister promises to produce a high-wage, high-productivity, low-tax economy. But the evidence suggests that Brexit so far has produced the opposite. Growth in the UK for 2023 is set to be the worst in the G7, according to the IMF, while the OECD predicts it will stagnate entirely. Not exactly a rosy legacy to leave behind. We have now got a partition down the Irish Sea. Something the, the people in Ulster have fought for for hundreds of years um, is to remain part of the United Kingdom. And now we find ourselves divided from the United Kingdom with no consent. We're British by blood, by the blood that flows through our veins. But as our position within said, the United Kingdom, no, we're no longer part of the United Kingdom, fully part of it, because our constitutional law, laws are made in Brussels now. Another aspect of the Brexit deal that Boris has been criticised for bungling is the Customs and Border Agreement in Northern Ireland, a.k.a. the Northern Ireland Protocol. Tensions in Northern Ireland were high as Boris toyed with threats of no deal, leaving people with fears of a return to the levels of unrest not since, since the Troubles. There can be no place in our society for violence or the threat of violence, and it must stop. Just as it was wrong in the past and was never justified, so what is wrong now? Boris did end up making a deal in which it was agreed that Northern Ireland could be treated with the same customs rules as the Republic, with goods being checked at a sea border when they enter Northern Ireland in order to avoid a hard land border. This has led to various problems, not least that the DUPs refuse to participate in Ireland's government as long as this remains the case, feeling sidelined and cut off because of this sea border. Since then, Boris has failed to find a solution to support the government in Northern Ireland and at the same time comply with the agreement he fixed with the EU. Not only this, but he pushed ahead to change aspects of the protocol for which the European Commissions took the UK government to court. The UK bill is extremely damaging to mutual trust and respect between the EU and the UK. It has created deep uncertainty and casts a shadow over our overall cooperation all at the time when respect for international agreements has never been more important. That is why the Commission has today decided to take legal action against the United Kingdom for not complying with significant parts of the protocol on Ireland, Northern Ireland. As the Taliban move into Kabul, Western countries are moving out. They're using the airport to evacuate embassy staff and others desperate to leave. The United States is sending another 1,000 troops to assist with the U.S. evacuation effort. More than 60 countries have now signed a statement saying all Afghans and other citizens who want to leave Afghanistan must be allowed to depart. They say those in power are responsible for the protection of life and property and the restoration of order. The Taliban are now stopping Afghans from even travelling to the airport. But still, they try. In August last year, these scenes of babies being handed to troops over barbed wire at Kabul airport were the result of the exit of foreign troops from Afghanistan. All British troops assigned to NATO's 
Mission in Afghanistan are now returning home. After 20 years of British intervention in Afghanistan, the world watched on in horror at the chaos of this departure. I think it would be fair to say that the events in Afghanistan have uh, unfolded and the collapse has been faster than I think even the, the Taliban themselves predicted. What is not true is to say that the UK government uh, was unprepared or did not foresee this. Whereas 20 years ago almost no girls went to school and women were banned from positions of governance, now 3.6 million girls have been in school this year alone and women hold over a quarter of the seats in, Afghan, in the Afghan parliament. It's hard to hear these comments nearly one year on when we've seen since the consequences of the turbulent handover of governance in Afghanistan with regression back to an oppressive stance on women's rights, including access to positions of power and education. Here's Boris on his promise to help the Afghans whose lives would be at risk if they remained there under Taliban rule due to their engagement with British troops. We will shift heaven and earth to help them get out. We will do whatever we can. Shockingly, there were even nine Afghans who fled as the Taliban took over who were given notice from the UK government that they'd be on the first scheduled flight to Rwanda. Thanks to court action against the government, they've not yet been deported. The distance between Boris's words and deeds is perhaps one of the most striking consistencies during his time as Prime Minister. Cast your minds back to February 2022. Coronavirus had hit the UK, but so far in small numbers. Number 10 was not operating on a war footing. Lots of key people were literally skiing in the middle of... February. The Prime Minister regarded this as um, just a, a scare story. He d- described it as the new swine flu. If we have the Prime Minister chairing Cobra meetings and he just tells everyone it's swine flu, don't worry about it, I'm going to get Chris Whitty to inject me live on TV with coronavirus so everyone realises it's nothing to be frightened of, that would be, that would not help actually serious planning. For weeks, Boris toyed with the idea of herd immunity and delayed the lockdown of the country. This was against scientific advice and the delays said to have cost thousands of lives. On the 12th of March, Boris hadn't yet locked down the country and he made an announcement which included saying this. I must level with you, level with the, the British public. Um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. 11 days later, this. Good evening. The coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. So it's vital to slow the spread of the disease. And that's why we've been asking people to stay at home during this pandemic. And though huge numbers are complying, and I thank you all, the time has now come for us all to do more. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. If he'd made this decision one week earlier, it's estimated that 21,000 lives would have been saved. As of June 2022, the UK had the highest number of COVID deaths in Western Europe, totalling over 180,000. Still to come on this Boris Johnson resignation special, people, partygate and pincher. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
There have been constant scandals closer to home, centering around the team surrounding Boris. There have been a string of cases where Boris has proven himself of poor character judgment and kept counsel with people who break laws, lie and even watch pornography in the Houses of Parliament. We recently learned he even tried to appoint his now wife Carrie Johnson as Chief of Staff back in 2018. The word sleaze has often been used in relation to his circle of cronies and perhaps more accurately put, corruption. Time after time, Boris has jumped to defend these people, normally resulting in a hasty U-turn once the tide of public opinion presses too heavily against his defence. Think Matt Hancock breaking Covid rules to have a not-so-sneaky kiss with a colleague. Think Dominic Cummings testing his eyesight at Barnard Castle, to whom Boris Johnson lent his full support for five whole months, defending his lockdown-defying actions against a backdrop of 50,000 deaths at the time. In a series of vengeance attacks, Cummings since then has dread-fed the media information about various failures and slurs he made as PM. Did, did you hear him say, like, the bodies pile high in their thousands or it's only killing 80-year-olds? There's been a few different versions of this, of these stories knocking around. Um, there was a version of the uh, of of it in the Sunday Times, which uh, was not accurate, but the version that the BBC reported was accurate. Remember the bullying allegations put against Priti Patel, who Johnson jumped to the defence of and refused to fire. Think Imran Khan, former MP convicted of sexual assault against a 15-year-old boy who only resigned after his conviction. Think David Warburton, who had the whip suspended after allegations of sexual harassment and cocaine use. Then think Neil Parrish, caught watching pornography in the Houses of Parliament. Yes, well, as you say, this is news that has just emerged uh, in the last few minutes. It relates to the Conservative MP Neil Parrish. He's the MP for Tiverton and Honiton. Uh, we've had a statement, and we believe this is in relation to the allegations uh, that have been uh, swirling around in Westminster around who the MP uh, was that is alleged to have been watching porn in the House of Commons. Uh, a spokesman uh, for the Chief Whip has said just in the last few minutes... Uh, that having spoken to the Chief Whip this afternoon, Neil Parrish is reporting himself to the Standards Committee of the House of Commons. Uh, Mr Parrish has also been suspended from the Conservative Whip pending the outcome uh, of that investigation. This last one led to the recent loss at the by-election of Parrish's old constituency, a previously safe Conservative seat, and has been one of the contributing straws that's broken Boris's back. Boris Johnson was a, a theme uh, that came up on every doorstep almost, and uh, I think there's a real feeling now that he has overstayed his welcome as our Prime Minister. This was one of several seats that were lost by the Tories in recent by-elections, causing a further dint in the confidence that his party had in him. So how will the Prime Minister be remembered? Will Walden, former communications chief to Mr Johnson, says this. But I think he will also remember somebody that, that fundamentally didn't listen uh, and that became somewhat presidential. In the end, as we said earlier, firing Cummings has been a key contributing factor to Boris's demise as Cummings drip-fed the media information about the various gatherings and parties held at Number 10 throughout the pandemic. It started with rumours of gatherings, cheese and wine, birthday cakes and pictures emerged. This is the scandal that played out for months, throughout which the Prime Minister faced waves of public media and party pressure to resign over his failure of leadership. 
Amidst mounting evidence of multiple breaches of the lockdown rules the Conservatives themselves wrote, Boris resisted the pressure time and time again. You know, vomit on the floor, wine up the walls, serial partying going on in number 10 and he thinks he can just carry on and he's taking the public for fools, you know, standards do matter. We had to wait for the Sue Gray report for months. When the results were published reluctantly in full, Gray explicitly placed blame on the senior leadership of the party. She revealed 16 alcohol fuel gatherings attended by Johnson and his staff between May 2020 and April 2021. Boris resisted leaving then, insisting that we must wait for the conclusions of a police investigation. So then, those results came. I think a number of people, members of the public, have been both surprised and concerned at what they have heard, and I'm sure they will be surprised and concerned about the outcome of our investigation. Boris Johnson became the first ever UK Prime Minister to be sanctioned for breaking the law whilst in office. Despite being fined for breaking a lockdown law which his government came up with, Johnson managed to hold on to his job for a little while longer. I take full responsibility for everything that took place on my watch. Partygate, though, severed public trust in the Tory party and opened wide cracks within the Conservative Party itself, with many MPs considering their leader as having lied to Parliament and therefore possibly breaching the ministerial code. He told the House no rules were broken in Downing Street during lockdown. The police have now concluded there was widespread criminality. Above and beyond the act of law-breaking, the continued outrage in the public and political eye was the lack of integrity at best and barefaced deceit at worst. Boris repeatedly assured the House and the public that laws were abided by. This transpired to have been a lie. And the Prime Minister not only broke the rules, but he lied and he lied about the lies and then he lied again to the people and to Parliament. After Boris somehow survived all of this, surely a few more lies about what he knew or claimed he didn't know about allegations concerning now former Deputy Chief Whip Chris Pincher wouldn't hurt. Well, it turns out Pincher was the pest that broke the camel's back. There have been numerous newspaper reports and allegations over his inappropriate behaviour towards MPs and Tory party activists for more than a decade. But that still didn't prevent Pincher being appointed Deputy Chief Whip under Theresa May in 2018 and then both a Foreign Minister and Housing Minister under Boris. He was promoted back to Deputy Chief Whip in February to help shore up support for the Prime Minister following Partygate. However, Pincher himself was forced to resign at the end of June after he drunkenly assaulted two other men at an event at a London private members club, although at the time he was allowed to remain a Tory MP. Are you drowning in sleeves? Will you suspend Chris Pincher? It took a few hours to come, but the answer to that last question was yes. There were awkward questions for Number 10 over what the Prime Minister knew about these allegations. The answer from Downing Street was that Boris wasn't aware of any specific allegations and assurance repeated on Sky News by junior minister Will Quince. I spoke with number 10 both yesterday and today and I asked them firmly and clearly for an answer on this and I've been given categorical assurance that the Prime Minister was not aware of any serious uh, specific allegation with regards to uh, the former Deputy Chief Whip. But after finally removing the party whip from Pincher, Downing Street shifted its position, saying the Prime Minister was aware of the speculation surrounding him but any issues had either had been resolved or hadn't been the subject of a formal complaint. But even that wasn't true. And number 10 was called out by former senior civil servant Lord MacDonald, who was at the Foreign Office when a serious allegation against Pincher was made and upheld. Not only did Boris know about this allegation, he was briefed about it in person. It is very unusual for a retired official to do what I have done this morning. Um, uh, I, I did it by myself. 
because uh, what I have uh, seen and read over the last few days, I knew to be wrong. Uh, and, you know, things get to a point where you have to do the right thing. Time for a change of tune yet again from Downing Street, who conceded the Prime Minister was told about the specific allegations, but had forgotten about them at the time of his promotion in February. And enough was enough for two of the most senior secretaries of state in the Johnson cabinet. Later that evening, both the Chancellor Rishi Sunak and Health Secretary Sajid Javid had resigned, triggering the collapse of support for the Prime Minister that eventually led to his own reluctant resignation. This episode of The Smart 7 was written and produced by Flora Zajcek with additional support from Lucy Lewis as part of The Smart 7 family produced by Daft Doris. We publish a daily news update every single day at 7am. Don't forget to hit that follow button.